Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity. Or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello and welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa McKee McGrath, recording 5,356 miles from Giza, where there was one listener. (laughs) And I hope it was an archaeologist with that little brush thing doing their work, rocking out to the intro music. Today, I hope I don't lose that one listener near the pyramids because we're looking at how scat is helping owls find homes. No, not the scat, the other scat, poop scat. Sorry, parents. You're welcome, kids. Today is all about the poop shoot. Let's go. Okay, so I only have a few minutes up at the top to say get your voting plan ready. If you are a kiddo and you see your grown-ups, ask if they have a voting plan in place for the second Tuesday of November if you're in the United States. This year, voting day is November 8th. And while we don't have the day off as a nation, because America, if you can get your absentee ballot or make sure you have a way to show up at the polls, make sure you have everything you need on hand. I'm lucky in that I don't live in a place where I have to jump through stupid hoops to exercise my right to vote. I don't have to show identification or prove I lived here for X number of days or years. Ohio was understandably a lot harder when I lived there to vote. As a result, I ended up missing an election. You know, the election. Bush v. Gore. So if you are in a place that is making it harder to vote, harder for your voice to be heard, get on that right now. And if you happen to be in Florida or any other place that was hit hard with natural disasters, absolutely do your homework first. Voting places may not exist anymore because of the flooding and destruction. So go figure out where you need to be how you need to get there, and if you need help getting there, reach out to local organizers in your community who will help you vote. Then, if you are so inclined, and I hope you are, bop over to Pod on Twitter or email bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com. Show me your stickers after you vote. I'll have a voting thread up and ready. The logo will change for this week to a B with a little vote sticker on his little bumble booty, and I encourage all of you to go do this thing. Who knows, maybe I'll have a little surprise that I can send out to the winner of the coolest sticker or something. I don't know. But one race I really want to highlight, and if you're a fan of Sawbones, you already know this. It's a great medical history shenanigans podcast. It's so good. You should listen anyway. But it's Dr. Sydney McElroy. She is running for the West Virginia House Delegates. She is trying to expand health care for her community, and she's trying to help teachers get what they need in this 
horrible year for both healthcare workers and teachers across her state. So if you are in West Virginia, maybe look to those local issues. And if you can, show up for Dr. Sydney and go listen to Sawbones. It's a great show. I don't get paid from them. I don't even know them, but it is a great show. I have their book. It's really fun, especially the older episodes with all the wacky history stuff. Ooh, bloodletting. And with that out of the way, we're pivoting real hard. Though really, I guess not that hard because some would say politics is a load of, well, you'll see. Let's go. Did you know that a faux pas led scientists to leave faux poo to save burrowing owls? Do I have your attention? <laughs> there is a lot to unpack with that sentence. Let's start with the facts. Burrowing owls are a little different than other owls. For starters, they don't have those fluffy little butt feathers that hide their legs like other owls. Oh, and before we get very far, do me a favor if you are not driving a motor vehicle. Google right now if you can, owl legs. Most owls that you would imagine have stubby little legs, but you would be wrong. Oh, so wrong. When you lift up those beautiful, bodacious feathers that look like a bustled skirt from Hamilton's Schuyler sisters jealous, most owls have hilariously long legs and teeny little torsos. It's the opposite of how we imagine them. So when you lift up their skirt feathers and look at their very disappointed faces, they look like they're gonna go full, I'm calling the manager on you, any minute. Unlike many owl species though, burrowing owls live in holes underground. And I think this is what happens when one branch of your family tree, a tree you probably live in, decides, mom, dad, I'm afraid of heights. I'm going to move to the big hole in the ground left by abandoned prairie dogs or something. If these burrowing owls cannot find the perfect abandoned prairie dog subdivision, they will get creative. They will also make nests out of PVC pipe piles and other mounded piles that we humans leave behind. And knowing this, conservationists have used this to their advantage to help the burrowing owl by providing them access to buckets, pipes, tubes, and stuff made by and discarded by, well, us. With more and more people moving into places that burrowing owls burrow, and more and more people disrupting the habitat of prairie dogs, tortoises, and ground squirrels, which I didn't know was a thing, but they are, and as a result, there are fewer and fewer burrowing owls. They are in trouble. And naturally, conservationists thought, well, how about we just move some owls in to restart the population? We've got some nice digs, pun intended. But the owls, despite having the right temperature, plenty of food, clean water, were just not having it. Okay, well, I don't know how many of you guys have had to look for a house in recent history. You might know it's not just the house that you're looking at. You have to feel okay in the community or at least hope that the community is ready for all you have to offer. In the case of a good community, you don't get all that information off data points on Zillow.com. You have to go and see the place and feel the place. Go see for yourself, drive around for a little bit, check out the main drag through town, all of it. Turns out burrowing owls are social owls. And they seem to be pretty similar to us when looking for a home. So how do you trick burrowing owls into thinking that there's a bustling nightlife and a great social scene when they are essentially hooters in a ghost town? Buckle up, y'all, because I promised you fake poop saves the day, and here's where it comes in. For my family, we were expressly looking for places that appeared to not have 
human excrement visible on our walk through our town. This is where owls and humans differ. The owls, who are able to see the faux poo and hear recorded sounds of their fellow extroverted buddies, stayed in the environment where they were transplanted. The ones who did not have the sultry sounds of singing predatory bird buddies? Or the environment was clean, unlittered from oodles of poodles? They did not even unpack their owl luggage. They hiked up their skirt, marched to the manager, and demanded to have a word. Then they left town, presumably after leaving a terrible Yelp review. You may be asking, hey, what exactly did the scientists use for fake poop? Aha, so glad you asked. Syringes of white paint. Squirt. So how do we know this worked? Owls leave signs by the entrance to their burrow to likely indicate that they are home. It's a sock on the doorknob, if you will, but owl addition. When burrowing owls go into their burrow to lay their eggs, they do what every mom does. Cleans up a whole lot by adding a ton of animal dung as a carpet to the entrance of their humble abode. Okay, so why do burrowing owls leave a carpet of doo-doo outside their door? It attracts dung beetles specifically, and other insects, of course. Insects who are looking for that sweet, sweet, sweet main course. Ew. But as Mama is laying her eggs, she can't just leave to go on a quick run to Dunkin' Donuts. She needs to stay with her babies who have not hatched yet. So the poop is basically DoorDash for these owls. The insects walk right up to her front door and she says, hmm, dinner is served. I'm so glad I went to a college where we used the scrunchie method instead of the poop welcome mat method to indicate that we needed maybe privacy for a bit. These burrowing owls also seem to take a page out of the crow and magpie handbook. They seem to collect shiny things, bottle caps, cigarette butts, paper trash, anything really. And they seem to go all owl Martha Stewart on their front porch. Researchers seem to think that this is an indication that someone is home and no, they do not want to talk to solicitors of any kind. I love these extroverted weirdos of the owl community. They are so different on almost every level. For starters, like I said before, they live underground, not in trees, and they are terrifically social unlike most other raptors. And they need a little paint to spruce things up in their home, but just not the way that you would think. There's one other quick poo story this week because we all know that wombats have square poop and stack it like a toddler constructing with building blocks. I thought it would go in maybe a slightly different direction. So you know how at the very beginning of every episode I say, I am not a researcher, a scientist, an audio engineer. You can also add scatologist to the resume of things that I am definitely not. There is a science for everything, y'all. And scatologists study poop. There is exactly one kid in every elementary school classroom right now who is beaming, knowing exactly what he wants to be when he grows up. So it turns out that there is an art to scatological science. It's not all fun and games and poop jokes. Though I'm guessing it is probably quite a bit of poop jokes. These scientists can glean a lot from the waste of animals. Not only can they identify the animal, like maybe a bear or a rabbit or a disrespectful hiker who left these remains, but they can also learn a ton about an animal's food preferences, habitat, habits, all of it, by just examining the excrement. They have also discovered that some animals, like white rhinoceroses, use this like we use Twitter. 
That's right. In the same way we use social media, the water cooler, or a poker game to be social with each other, rhinos use poo piles like the townie bar. These rhinoceroses use a community pile to do their morning business. And this pile is called a midden. A midden can be up to 65 feet wide. Y'all, that is too much poo. That is five VW beagles. The car... <laughs> Beatles, not beagles. The car... It's five of these cars across. Guys, I am shook. Parked bumper to bumper and covered in rhino dew. Looking at this a slightly different way, you could fit 10 middens from where you putt and where the hole is on the 17th hole at Pebble Beach, which I would argue would make golf way more exciting to watch. You have to hit the golf ball over 10 community rhino commodes? You'd be begging for the water trap. And while we would peace right out if someone suggested, hey, instead of a dating app, hear me out, hear me out, we all poop in a pile right? And we look at it and we learn about each other's age and reproductive health and how much fiber you've been intaking and we'll match it. We'll match make you from here. But this is actually how rhinoceroses communicate. They find mates and they socialize and they study each other's poo. In fact, we are the weird ones for not diving into poo communication, though I'm totally fine with being the weird one out here. Dogs check their pee mail every single day. And cats will spite pee in the neighbor kid's sandbox to send a message. Animals chat through scat every dang day. So science gonna science, scatological scientists created fake rhino poop out of chopped up grass and mud and a special sauce, then spritzed with Calvin Klein's newest scent, rhino dew in heat. By spraying the scent of a rhino woman in this fake poop, scientists then deposited it into the midden. Male rhinos spent way more time investigating this scent compared to the other poo piles in the midden and would, in a sign of love, true love, immediately defecated on top of the imposter poo. Some say it with Jared, some send a note that says, do you like me, circle yes or no, and some poo-poo all over your leavings at the community midden. And that's how you know he really like likes you. So thanks for joining me today on Bewilderbeasts. And before my ending spiel, I have to say, <laughs> there were two articles that were recommended to me while I was doing the reading for this particular episode. The first was an article from Seeker talking about how some plants make fake poop to trap dung beetles. Well, not really trap. Basically, it's a seed that looks like poop, smells like poop, and in a genius method of seed dispersal, is rolled away by a dung beetle like poop. The other two articles, one was titled, quote, Why Cats Poop in Your Bed and Other Odd Pet Behaviors from National Geographic. Hold up. Y'all have to tell me, is this a thing? We had some cat pee in bed incidents when one kitty was really stressed out during the pandemic because we were all home all the time. But no one has ever pooped in our bed. Yet knocking on wood. Girls, y'all are on the kitty no pooping in my bed watch list. The other article, also from National Geographic, is titled, Zoo Poo and Glitter Reveal Animal Health Secrets. 
This sounds like the thing that you should absolutely not click on in a clickbait article. When I tried to click on this, because I never learned my lesson, I clicked it on this uh, recommended link, and because yes, I was going to click on something that said glitter and zupu, the link was not working. Undeterred, I tried other words in the National Geographic search, came up with sparkly zoo poop, and bam, look, a hit. National Geographic, you okay? I did not read these articles yet, but they do exist. And hey, have a good weekend. Y'all go get curious with those. I will put those links also in the description of today's episode. All right. So if you know of any historical animals who change the world, animals who help humans, or other excuses to center an entire episode on finding different ways to say poop, send them in to bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com. Tweet at bewilderedpod, also bewilderbeastpod.com. Click on that little button on the right side of the screen and talk. It's great. It's like we're talking, but I will hear it later. <laughs> I love getting voice memos. Anyway, I'm Melissa McHugh McGrath with what's... <laughs> with Mudstuff Media... Go get curious. I got today's information from NBCNews.com, OptimistDaily.com, BBC.co.uk, all about birds, which is the uh, burrowing owl overview, the NationalZoo.NationalGeographic.com, BoardPanda, and Seeker.com. That's the plant one. Links, as always, are in the description of today's episode. Intro music is Tiptoe Out the Back by Dan Leibowitz and interstitial music, MK2. Additional music is provided by Pixabay and freesound.org. Introducing happysoulmusic.com, also where I'm getting some more music. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And don't forget, please share, review, all of those things. Thank you so much for listening. Back on the review thing for a quick second. Have you given a review yet? Jenny just did. So thank you so much. And I hope you consider doing it too. Look, everyone says it helps and I have no idea, but it can't hurt. And it does make me feel good when y'all write back and say nice things. So if you're so inclined, go do the thing. And until next week, when we do this all over again, stay curious and I will see you next week. Oh, and before we get very far, do me a favor if you are not driving a motor vehicle, Google right now if you can, Owl Legs. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.